The High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is High Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 FM, We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education, how to be better people, how to be living in the place we want to live, in a community we want to live, in a society we want to live, all these different topics and important things that we need to know how to influence our families, our communities, our friends, ourselves, really change the world and make the world where we want to be, but start with our own personal selves. So, we have reached the point, although the show has been here every week throughout holidays, but we've reached a point that even those of you who are on holiday, our break, unbreak, were either back or half back or a quarter back or almost there, uh, but we're definitely already feeling that the school year is around the corner and it's about to be here, and we are all very excited. And with going in back to school, at this time of year, there's a huge excitement going up to a new grade, a new class. Some of us are changing schools from primary to high school. Some are moving up to higher educations. And a lot of the kids are just going up to the next year, next grade. Growing up, I remember hearing from my grandparents, sometimes parents even, that there were days in school systems that you had to pass the year in order to go up to the next grade. And if you didn't pass, you stayed until you passed. When I was in the school system, we were already talking about it as a child. However, it was pretty obvious at the time that everybody goes up to the next grade and there were exceptions. And it seems that since I've been a child, been a few weeks, uh, there's been even more of a dramatic shift and more of a standard that we all go up to the next class and to the next grade. However, there are kids that it's just not the right thing for them. And there are kids that need to stay back for another year. And that's exactly what we're going to be discussing today for the kids that their parents are maybe still debating, should they leave them back for another year? What are the reasons? What are the recommendations? What is the logic behind it? What do we want to do? What are the effects, the short-term, the long-term effects? How does that uh, affect our children? Is there a difference if we do it in the younger age, in the older age, uh, by law in South Africa? Again, I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me, but just from experience in working, um, I, if I remember correctly, then you're allowed to either skip or stay back um, once in a uh, unit. So it could be uh, throughout the whole schooling, I think twice or three times uh, that a child can do that. And however, the only reason to do that is if that's the best interest of the child. So let's talk about the child and their best interest. Before we go into that discussion, uh, number one is if you've had a child that's stayed back or you're debating or you have an opinion, if you're a therapist, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, and in South African community, even if you're a baba or aunt or someone who has an opinion or a thought about it, 34519 is the SMS line. You could send us a telegram, 0618951019. Or if you want to call, do so, 0870551818. So let's introduce our guest today for our discussion. Uh, first, we have uh, educational psychologist, Carrie Diamond. Uh, good afternoon, Carrie. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Rabbi. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. A, a sentence about your work so we get to know you? 
Yeah, so I'm an educational psychologist. I have a special interest with uh, working with children and adolescents as well as parents and families. And yeah, my job is to not only work with the child, but to work with uh, their holistic structure, which means the teachers and all support um, structures that are in place for that child. Okay. So obviously this discussion is something that you're quite aware of and uh, hear about, leaving your child for another year of achievement before going up to the next class. Um, our next guest, let's get to know you, Mandy Rosen. Good afternoon, Mandy. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Rabbi, great to be on the show. A bit about you. So I am a mother of three the adult children now. Um, I keep two of my kids back. They were November and December babies. And I'm wearing another hat today as a teacher as well. I'm very passionate about this. Um, yeah, so let's delve into it. Let's start with the reality. How common is it for kids to stay back? Carrie, what would you yeah, say? Yeah, it's, it's actually quite common. Um, and children can stay back for a variety of reasons. And this can happen from a nursery school level, so grade R all the way up, you know, into a high school level. So um, it's actually more common than I think parents think, even though there is still quite a stigma around ret- retention and staying back. Um, you do see it quite often these days. A stigma that what? Well, I think, you know, having the conversation with a parent that your child needs to stay back, um, and I'm sure Mandy can agree with me, that is not an easy thing to hear. Um, A lot of parents struggle with the fact that their child has to repeat a grade. Um, And I think it's also the lack of understanding as to why this would be in the child's best interest. It's a scary thing for to be told that your child needs to repeat a year. Um, So not only is it a stigma, maybe perhaps among students, um, which will, I'm sure will get into a little bit more but also around parents and their thoughts about keeping their child back what that means for for them as a parent and what that means for their child so we'll get to to these topics shortly um mandy we do need to take a short break when we come back i'd love to hear from you as a teacher that's also a mother who's done it um and i'm guessing and you both will have to correct me about that that most recommendations about saying back starts by the teachers not necessarily by therapists and not necessarily by parents. Uh, I'm, sure the, I'm sure there's exceptions, but generally it would start from the teacher. And let's take a short break. And when we come back here, why would a teacher identify a need to stay back? And what would be the purpose of that short break? And we will be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. We are back, and right before the break, uh, in the middle of a fascinating discussion with educational psychologist Carrie Diamond and Mandy Rosen, a mother teacher. And right before the break, I asked you, Mandy, as a teacher, what would be the reasons that you would approach parents and engage in a discussion about their child staying back for another year? So the first thing you have to do is I think you have to look at the child Um, But the important factor here for me is looking when the child was born. You can't go keeping a child back that was born, say, in May. So if you're presenting with the child October, November, December, they're pretty much the babies of the year. So that would be my my first consideration. I've had incidences where mothers have thought that their kids who were born in May, instead of going to a remedial school, should be kept back. That's not going to work. 
So the, the, the first telling sign is to look at the age. Why won't okay. that work? Because basically a kid that needs to stay back often just needs that extra year just to mature, just to grow, just to have the time in, say, say nurses for play school to play and just to develop. If you've got a child who's born in May, um, often it will be a recommendation for the remedial school and the parents are pretty anti that. So their theory is, oh, let's keep them back and give them the extra time. Keeping, keeping them back for that is not really going to help because they're not going to get the skills and the extra help that they need in order to improve. So the telling sign is basically looking when the child is born and then from there looking at the skills and looking for the reasons why you would keep them back. As you said, I had two kids I kept back. One was a December baby, one was November. And funnily enough, it wasn't the teaching or me. It was me. I remember it was me as a mother or me as a teacher felt that my December baby needed to um, just mature a little bit. She emotionally wasn't ready. Then my second child was the November baby and him academically wasn't ready. So emotionally, it was great. Um, the rule is you do have to have them assessed just to clarify. And yeah, came back with my daughter. So you're saying there are two reasons mainly, which would be academically and emotionally. Do we sometimes keep kids back because of social reasons? Um, I think with social, you would certainly recommend the, the, the therapy and that. But you'd have to look, is it just social? Is it social, emotional and academic? It's not a clear cut. There's no like clear cut. This, this is what, every case is dependent. So it is, it can be very tricky in terms of what other factors would we take in consideration? Would we look at the physical size of the child? Would we look at their best friend? Would we, what would we look at? So often on a playground, you'll see a kid. You won't know anything about the kid, but you'll just watch them multiple size interaction. So you can have a kid in grade one who's excessively tall, or the kid in grade one who's excessively short, but yet they're on the same academic level. So, no, but you can see, like, in the way they are on the playground, how they hold themselves, um, yeah, just how they, how they are, how they are with, with um, their peers. Um, it's a bit, you can pick it up very quickly. As I say, you're often sitting on the playground and very quickly you'll pick up that it's very young for their play. And you'll maybe ask the teacher, like, when does it get October, November, December. So, mm. it can be a clear, you know, it's there. Carrie, as, a, as a therapist, mm. Is your part of this discussion with the kids as supporting them throughout the process, supporting the family, supporting the child, recommending, or do you actually get involved as a therapist in the actual decision-making as well? Thank you, Rabbi. Yes, definitely both. Um, so generally, as Mandy mentioned earlier, um, the child would usually go through some form of an assessment process. So um, myself as an educational psychologist, I do something called the psychoeducational assessment. And we look at the child holistically. We look how the child functions cognitively, um, emotionally, academically. This decision isn't something we want to make um, from one, one point of view. We really want to look at the child holistically. And as man Mandy mentioned earlier, every child is unique every child is different and there's no um, boxes that need to be ticked in order for a child to stay back I think every case should be decided 
purely based on that child as an individual. Um, so yes, I will be there for the process of understanding what would be in the child's best interest, whether it would be um, keeping the child back a year or whether it be placing them in a remedial environment. And then I'd also carry through the process of supporting the child and the parents, because although it's very difficult on the child, it's also very difficult on the parents too. So we really want to try and give as much support to the family um, through this whole process. It's not just about identifying why the child needs to stay back, but why, what can we do in order to support the child uh, to build the skills that they may be lacking, to help develop the way we hope they can develop and to meet their full potential that they may not be meeting. So Carrie, I want you to continue this sentence and let's see how that would work. I want, let's say a situation that you're sitting with parents and you've done the assessment, you've seen the child, you've seen, and you sit down and you say, I heard the teacher, I saw the assessment, I agree 100% that it would be the child's best interest to stay behind, Mm. but my recommendation is not to because... Hmm. That's that's a difficult one to answer because it is so specific on the child. Um, there isn't one way of answering that question, Rabbi. So I'm okay. sorry, I actually can't finish the sentence but, for you. But does, is that a sentence that happens? Um, yes. I think it's important to understand if the decision isn't to keep the child back, what other resources are there that I feel would be to the child's best interest that would be able to help support the child in the way they need to be supported because we're not keeping the child back for fun this child is being kept back because we feel that extra year in that specific grade is going to only help them develop the skills that they may be lacking or help them meet the requirements of the standard of the grade so if I believe you know, that they don't need to stay back, I will ensure that I have other resources to provide the child, the parents, the teacher, the classroom, um, in order to ensure that that child is going to be able to cope in the next grade. Because the last thing we want is for the child to move into the next grade and to struggle their whole way through. So it's really about weighing up all the options. And again, looking at the child holistically, if the child um, is kept back, how is that going to affect them from an emotional point of view too? So yes, it might help them from an academic point of view, but how's it going to affect them emotionally? So it's really um, about looking at the family, the child themselves, um, the environment, the school that they're in, and, and the resources that they have um, provided to them. So, you know, we talk about telling the parents and speaking to the mm. parents and bringing it up to them and, and doing it in the right way. Mandy, from your side, obviously, as a parent who's done it and has experienced it, we say parents, but generally parents is two separate individuals that many times could have separate opinions, sometimes even contradicting opinions, and sometimes one parent would think this is the best idea ever, and one parent could think that this is hell, and no way for my child. I'm not even talking about extended uh, families or other relationships and, and opinions. From your experience approaching parents, do you see a challenge within the parents' relationship structure that will affect that decision or that decision will affect the relationship? Yeah, it does happen. You'll have a parent that, I mean, the father will think the child's a genius and brilliant and the teacher's wrong and the assessment's not right. Or a mother in that case. And then the opposite spouse is, you know, they do feel it. Um, I think often as parents, like, you do have niggles. You do pick up issues and concerns about your child. I, 
I very seldom do I think you have a child where the recommendation is to keep them back and the parents are horrified. You know, and if you're a mother and you're tuned with your kids, you can pick up the little nuances, you know, just academically, socially, emotionally, you don't have to deal with your kids. So yeah, it can be difficult when you've got one, one parent that's fully all for it and another one that isn't. That's the therapist and the teacher to honestly just, you know, keep reiterating the importance and, you know, hopefully the benefits, you know, or which direction to follow. How does that so, affect yeah. the child? when they realize one parent is all for this and one parent is really not? I think it depends if you, I mean, this shouldn't be happening in front of the kid anyway. For sure, and the parents are gonna put the best act in the world, but the kids are smarter Uh, than us. When I set my kids back, it was so much, this is a fun thing to do, it's the right thing to do, it's, you know, you're showing your poor friends that are going to grade one, they're in a uniform, they're gonna have homework. We really made this whole thing about the child being kept back to have fun. I kept mine both back in grade naught, um, has its advantages and disadvantages. It's a move that I don't regret. Um, but as I say, sometimes the timing is important. Like they know they've already established their friendships. You know, they watch their friends going off to grade one. They kept that. But I think it's also how the how the parents deal with it. It's you know, it's not that you can't do it and you're stupid or silly, whatever. It's pretty much you know, I want you to do better. You are the youngest in your grade. We want you to be the oldest. And yeah, it's how the parents handle it. Also, it depends on how the child's going to, you know, integrate and manage. Carrie, hearing that, and I completely agree with Mandy about the attitudes of the parents and, you know, how we address it and what we agree and what we said. So, obviously, we're going to be there and we're going to be excited and recommend it and say it's going to be fun or, or, I don't know, at least productive and the right thing and, and hopefully it will be the best move and you'll be happy. How do we not neglect their worries and how do we not, um, by mistake, be empathetic or not care and, and actually identify the, that for the child it's not easy. It is to a point humiliating, it is to a point difficult, it is to a point very challenging to start making new friends and all the potential friends are the friends that last year you wouldn't speak to them because they were younger and suddenly they... so. How do we support them? 100% Rabbi. I think um, as Mandy mentioned before, I'll move on to the child, is for the parents to really be aware of their own feelings around uh, keeping their child back. Because although they might put up a brave face in front of the child or not have these discussions in front of the child, there may be an unconscious uh, projection that is placed onto the child. So I think it needs to start with the parents and how they feel about it. And to really also seek out their own support if they're struggling with this accepting of keeping their child back. But when it comes to having the conversation with your children, I think what's very important is um, to expect the unexpected. We don't know how the child is going to respond. They might be angry with the parent, with the teacher. They may feel um, anxiety. They may feel sad or frustrated. They may even be indifferent about the the situation. Um, And what we want to do as parents is really give them the room to have any kind of feeling around the fact that they have to stay back. Um, And what I like to say is to okay their feelings. Um, It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to not want this to happen. It's okay to feel sad that your friends are moving to the next grade and you having to stay back. 
And by okaying their, their feelings, you're helping them feel seen, you may, you're helping them feel heard and understood in that moment. And if you're able to provide your child the opportunity to have the feelings, to sit with the feelings, um, no matter how difficult they are, um, you're more likely to help your child move through those feelings and get to a place of acceptance. So this isn't about keeping your child happy and, and telling them what they want to hear. It's about giving them the space to feel the hard feelings, the big feelings, so that they can get to a place of understanding and that this was done in their best interest and this isn't done because they're being punished or because there's something wrong with them. Let's discuss a bit now. I'm almost debating if I want to start with Carrie, with you, with this question, or with Mandy as a teacher and parent, but maybe I'll start with Mandy and then, but I'd love you both to answer this question. When we, when there is a decision to keep a child back, there's different options. You could keep the child back in the same class, in the same setting with the same teacher. You could keep them back and send them to the other teacher if that's available in that school, if there's more than two second grades or two more than two grade nuts. Or you could potentially change schools in order to keep them back. Are there rules and recommendations around that when you keep a child back? Would it be more beneficial in certain situations to stay with the same teacher, to change the class, uh, the, the class teacher, or to change even the school and the environment? Mandy, what would you say? Yeah, so what I've seen basically, I see often or it's up for discussion, that if a kid was going to stay back, the parents are often very keen to move him to another school. I think that also takes away that they won't have to deal with emotions and their friends won't see them, that kind of thing. So I see that often. Is that um, because they're angry they, at the school or because they actually think, think it's they better? they kind of protect their child. It's very painful. For me, my kids were cool about staying back. As I said, we made it a fun thing and they were really, they had no issues. They had issues staying back. As a parent, it was very hard. As you said earlier, Kerry, there is, there's like a stigma. You feel like parents are looking at you and saying, oh, you're a silly child, and what kind of parent are you? And it's very, very difficult. So I think sometimes the parents feel it will just be easier all around for child and parent to maybe move to another school, give them a new break, let them start afresh. Um, some schools, there isn't an option of another class. You know, I just think if you've got a teacher where the child is going to stay with you, say, for the second year, I think that's a great advantage because the, kid, the teacher's very in tune with the child and you know, knows what areas to work on and the child's comfortable and he's happy with the teacher. So I don't think there's a clear cut, but as I say, I often mm. have seen the, the, the kids moving to school, starting afresh and just giving them like a whole new start. Not sure if that's always the right thing to do, but it is It's a very personal Space. So, Carrie, are there times that it would be the wrong thing to change schools or things that it would be the wrong thing to stay back or general rules around that or thoughts? Yeah, Rabbi, I think I agree with Mandy. I don't think there's a clear-cut answer. I think it's, again, very specific to the child as well as the grade and age of the child. Um, in my experience, you know, if we're looking at the child from an emotional point of view, they may have really formed such a strong bond with their teacher. And that can be a really beautiful, positive thing, but it can also be to the child's detriment because we don't want the child to feel like they can't disconnect from this teacher. Um, so perhaps an idea of moving the child to a different classroom with a different teacher may help give that child experience of 
detaching from someone that they've relied on or built a very emotional dependence on. Um, so again, it's very specific to the child, the situation and the school. Some schools, as Mandy said, might not have more than one classroom to offer and therefore they have to stay in the same class with the same teacher. Um, and I also do agree that a lot of parents do take their child to a different school, whether it's to benefit the child from starting again in a new environment um, so that that stigma kind of doesn't follow them through at the school that they were currently at. Or you're right in saying that maybe sometimes the parents are angry with the school. Maybe they don't fully agree that that was the best decision for their child or they don't believe that maybe the school did their child justice um, so perhaps trying out a different environment might make them feel you know we're trying out all our options we see maybe a different environment might be more suitable for our child so again there's no clear cuts there's no black and white answer here I think it's very specific on the school and um, the child the grade and the reasons as to why they're needing to be uh, repeating a grade how important is it when the school addresses the parents to address them in a certain way or a certain method? And are we seeing a connection between when parents are pulling out in the way they were told or the way the issue was raised? Or it's not necessarily it's a very personal thing and some people get offended and some people don't and it is what it is. Mandy or sure. Carrie go. Yeah, sure, Rabbi. I think it's a very sensitive subject. And I think uh, something that's important to think about, especially as a teacher, is early detection means early intervention. And we hope um, as a teacher that we can detect early and we can have these conversations throughout the year, that this is an ongoing conversation. The parents aren't being called in at no, like November time, the end of the year time, and now being told, you know, your child's not coping and they may have to repeat the year, that this is something the parents are really, really following throughout the year, the progress or lack thereof, um, and how the, the child may be coping in the classroom. So we really hope that this is an ongoing discussion. And I think for teachers to also be aware that there might be a pushback, that the parents might not be accepting of, of the fact that their child might need to stay back um, and that it's not a, a once-off conversation. This might be a conversation that has to happen several times. It might be something that we need more support in. Um, and I, as a psychologist, you know, work with all these support structures, such as OTs, speech therapists, that this isn't a, a once-off uh, kind of situation. This is a team that can come together and really help support the child and the parents the whole family in terms of this whole process that they may have to go through so we do need to take another break but when we, uh, i'm going to leave you with a question for when we come back and that is considering and that's my personal belief that a child will thrive better at school when the parents have a good relationship with the teachers and with the school and they 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 are in tune together would this message about staying back where the challenges be better coming from the principal better coming from the from the teacher taking in consideration the continuous relationship throughout the years between the parents and the educator that is going to be looking after the child. Leave you with that question and we're going to be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back really in the fascinating discussion. I'm here with educational psychologist Carrie Diamond and with teacher parent Mandy Rosen. And we're discussing the, the concept and the idea of a child staying back another year and benefiting from another year. I think even the concept of staying back sounds like we probably should find a better name for it. Um, 
like, I don't know, gaining another year or achieving some more in class or whatever it is. And right before the break, I asked you your thoughts about who should be the one addressing the parents about it. Should it be the teacher, the principal, maybe the social worker of the school? Who is the one equipped or does it change from school to school? What would you say? What are your thoughts? Where should we start with that? Mandy. So, basic, so basically, your, the teacher is always your first port of call. You know, your parent-teacher relations very important, and hopefully, you've built up a good teacher-parent rapport. Um, I think it's always very important when you have meetings like this or ideas where you're going to have to suggest it, obviously with the follow-up of an assessment. I think you need to have the whole team on board. So, in saying that, I would definitely have the teacher, obviously the parents, both parents if possible, the teacher, the principal, then any. Um, Open speech, any remedial help they get in, everyone needs to be on board and on the same page. There's no point having a meeting just with a parent alone and then the parent goes, relays something differently to the principal, and the next thing, all the wires are crossed. I mean, any meeting that we have at school is literally with anyone that the child is seeing, whether it's a play therapist, a OT, a speech therapist, principal, and teacher. And I just think if we're all on board and all on the same page, we can certainly work in the best interest for the child. Yeah, definitely as a group, which I would be honest to say, I've been in some of those meetings in your school and definitely it's a big team coming together. Carrie, I want to hear your thoughts about the long-term effects. I was quite surprised speaking to children uh, that have done it and stayed behind and, and you know, did another year of benefit uh, in that class that it looked like for years they were fine and they were okay. And then speaking to me within private discussions, when it came around their bat or bar mitzvah, when they were celebrating it with the friends from the new class, even if they've done it six years ago, there was something there unsolved. And what I'm wondering is, how do we address it? Because we don't want to address it in a situation where it's not an issue. However, I am finding more than once that there is an issue that suddenly the child will remember at the big times of the parties and the big events mm -hmm. that... Besides the fact that they have their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah half a year before everybody else or four months before everybody else, just the concept that it's not with my friends. Sometimes it gets harder because the friend from that was previously in school with them invites them. So now they're invited to uh, uh, celebrate with a child from an older class because they used to be friends in that class. And it, it just stirs up. And, and you know... Uh, I love teenagers, but it's not necessarily the most stable emotional age, 12, sure. 13. How do we address that? Sure. I think, you know, we're definitely looking at two elements um, with keeping the child back. So there might be an academic um, benefit. You know, we might see that over time they are able to build the skills that they were lacking and therefore, you know, keeping them back was really helpful. However, the emotional side of their development is really impacted. So I think what's very important is when the child is being kept back and they have this awareness that they are going to be repeating a year, um, is to really try and understand how they're internalizing this decision. Um, firstly, it's a decision made by everyone but themselves. So the parents are making this decision, the school's making this decision, they're not making this decision. And therefore, they may feel really out of control. They have to accept it. There's nothing else they can do about it. But it's a really... Um, lack of control feeling that these children have. So I think what's really important is to ensure that they've got the, the emotional support so that they're not internalizing it as something that um, they've done wrong, 
that they may be stupid or there's something wrong with them. Um, and I think that's why we can see, as you mentioned, Rabbi, you know, in their later years, in their teenagers, that there's still somewhat of an emotional impact, um, not only from a friendship point of view, but I think from the way they see themselves, their self-worth, um, their self-esteem, their confidence. And those things can really have an impact if it's not spoken about or dealt with, you know, at the time that they are being held back. So I think for parents to really be aware that they may be getting the support from an academic perspective, but how can we also support them from an emotional perspective, whether it's going to be putting them in talk therapy or play therapy, depending on how little they are, um, and really giving them the space to to really understand what this means for them and how it's going to impact them and to give them the opportunity to express themselves in whatever way they need to and that they don't just have to get on with it and accept it because this decision was made on behalf of them, that they allow to not like the decision. They allow to be upset about the decision. They could feel their um, emotions mm-hmm. even if they just have to do exactly. this reality. They could still feel. Exactly. We're really running out of 100%. time and there's an important question I really have to ask you both mm-hmm. about prevention of this situation. What, do you, what can you see at your child at the age of two or three when it's time to go into school for the first time and they were born in December or in November and maybe their older siblings, it would have been better for them to stay back or maybe they're just, you know, these children have developed a bit slower or maybe other things we can tell a parent that if this is what you feel and see and your child was born in December, it's just the cutoff you might as well um, decide ahead of time to wait another year. As generally, it seems to be that it's not a bad idea. It's not our topic today. We're not going to go there today. It's not such a bad idea to be from the older kids in the class. So what would we try to look out and recommend to parents? So just in terms of that, I don't think it's clear cut. As I said, my daughter was born in December. There were two or three kids born the exact same day as her, and they were all great came to my kid in grade naught and I just started having this group of emotionally and didn't think she was ready. So I don't think you can say, oh, your child's born November, December, you know, start considering putting them back in the first year of um, nursery school. It is idealistic, I'll be honest, to keep them back earlier than later. And I talk later, I'm meaning they're like already grade naught because it is hard for them. Um, but Mandy, so that yeah, wouldn't I'm, be keeping them back. That would just be waiting another year. It would just be doing another year of nursery school. So right. Like, yeah, so same concept. They're just staying back in an earlier grade. So, yeah, but you can't go take every November, December day and say you're going to definitely stay back. You know, so it's, very, it's a hard one because it comes grade naught and then you start saying, you know, this kid's not really ready. But you wouldn't say that at two or three. So, yeah, there's... But here's the thing. I, as a parent, I would rather my child to be older in class than younger. So I, I, I don't think that it's, it's such a big problem if potentially your child is one of the older kids in class. A hundred percent. But because of the way the school years run here... You know, you can't have every November. Not every. The question is, are there signs to see that potentially that would be a good idea? It depends on your child. As I said, mine was great and academically perfect. You know, just emotionally, I just felt, let's give her that little extra year just to push her. You know, it's very hard for a two-year-old to see if a two-year-old is going to be ready or not. It's such a personal thing. And I think as a parent, you're so in tune with your kid. You would pick it up. You would pick but it up. But I very seldom hear a, t- a parent of a two-year-old saying, I'm going to let my child repeat you know, another year in play school or nursery school. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen, I'm going to have to hear your answer after the break because we do need to take another break and we are running out of time and I want to hear what you have to say. A short break. We'll be right back. 
High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. 101.9 We are back and really towards the end of the show. Carrie, right before the break, I asked you regarding uh, your thoughts of just waiting another year before going into school, questioning if your child was born in December or November. What would you look at to potentially wait? What would you say? Sure, Rabbi. I think, um, as Mandy mentioned, it isn't clear cut, unfortunately. Um, just because your child is born later on in the year doesn't mean they automatically should have another year of nursery school. Um, you know, that there may be children who are kept back um, who are born in December and they may be really bored because they need to continue into the, the next grade. So, um, unfortunately, I think we we want to try and notice the signs as early on as possible you know even from the developmental phases of our children walking crawling talking um and and parents think oh my child's talking much after um some of their peers at that point and they panic and they think maybe you know my child's going to struggle throughout um their later years of development and that is not the case so just because um, a child goes at their pace does not mean that they are slower or they're there's, a, there's something wrong or there's an issue at hand. So I think it's really understanding your child individually and what is going to be in their best interest. And keeping them back might not always be, you know, the that's kind of like the end goal um, or end result rather. And um, there's so many other resources that can be put into place to support the child before a decision like holding them back is made, such as OT and other types of therapies. So we really want to see, you know, what opportunities can we provide the child to hone in those skills that they may be lacking. Which is um, a different topic of discussion, which I think we need to have sure. a discussion. Um, sure. However, I, I do think we need to see potentially a difference between a decision made after a child has entered school already and a decision made before the child enters school, which is not giving back, it's just waiting a bit more. And But definitely hear the point of the benefit of going into school and, and at a younger age learning, which has its great effects as well. The earlier we start, the better in different uh, situations. We, do, we completely ran out of time. And I just for 30 seconds, each of you, same question I have to both of you. What do you wish parents knew what do you wish the community knows what do, where do you wish to see our community in the in the future coming up when it comes to schooling and these discussions we had today Karen Carrie what's your vision sure yeah I think uh, my wish is just that um, everyone believes in an inclusive environment and that uh, there's no right one right way of doing things that children learn differently children differ from one another and they may lack skill in one element but um, have lots of strengths in other aspects um, and to really look and treat the child holistically um, yeah and really be able to support that child and not only look at the child's success through their academic performance that a child can be successful in other elements of their life too mandy what do you wish and hope can't hear you and um, we lost you Mandy oh here we go yeah and um, yeah my wish I don't know probably I don't know to um, let parents trust the teacher that would be a big thing for me and also <laughs> we may have to ring the best for, for the kids you know I, I always say I've got depending on the year I've got 25 kids or 30 kids I never just have three kids so when I enter that classroom the kid I've got in my class becomes one of my and yeah, it's just sometimes we make recommendations or we give advice and unfortunately they're not followed. And then we come to November 
and there's huge, huge pain. So the so, wish yeah. that we see it as a as a community, as a group, how caring and loving our are teachers there, really are, and really there. Yeah, we're there, and we just want to see the best for your child. Amazing. Thank you, Mandy, for being with us today so much. Thank you, Carrie, for being with us today. Uh, Carrie Diamond, uh, educational psychologist, Mandy Rosen, teacher and parent who's uh, had their child gain another year in the same class. Thank you, Craig, for managing the show. Thank you, Sana, for getting the interviews in line, the great discussion we had today. And thank you to the listeners for being with us, as always. And we will be back next Monday, 2 to 3, discussing other topics that will help us know more and improve more and just be better people like we want to be. In the meantime, just stay safe and enjoy the beginning of this new academic year. It just would be great and amazing for everyone. Stay safe and happy.